Welcome to The Map Room, your guide to navigating the challenges of business ownership. A podcast about how to take the right steps when the going is hard. Join Paul Barnes, Stuart Brown and special guests as they discuss the difficult truths and tough situations that business owners face and dare to take on. Brought to you by Map. Well, hello and welcome to Series 2 of The Map Room. I'm Stuart Brown and I'm delighted today to be dusting down our bunker and bringing some more guests around the map table and I'm looking forward to the next 12 months where those guests will bring their experience, their expertise and hopefully share some stories that can get some better outcomes for you and your business. Now for those of you who are Uh, used to the map room and joined us last year Um, we're going to be slightly different this year so if you're coming back and you're returning thank you very much we do appreciate your support and if you're new to the map room that's even more exciting and over the next 12 months we are going to slightly change our angle in that uh, we're going to be bringing I would suggest more practical advice to the table we're really keen to find some actionable steps that as a small business owner you can take on board and either engage directly with the guests if that's appropriate to you or look at how you can take their advice into your business. So without any further ado I'd really like to move then to our first guest for uh, series one of uh, episode one I should say of series two Uh, and that is a gentleman by the name of Adrian Lomaz. Adrian is the founder of Blue Leaf which was a uh, digital agency and he is now a professional EOS implementator implementator is that the right word implementer implementer I'll get that word right one of these days Uh, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that later as, as to where you are now um but obviously, I'd love to start by saying welcome to the Map Room. It's Thank great you. to have you around the table. And give us a little bit of your background. Explain how did you get into this space and what was or is Blue Leaf? Oh, long story. <laughs> I'll keep it brief. Um, but yeah, it started in 1999 from my bedroom, if you like. It was a design uh, approach. My first client was British Cycling. I'm proud to say design the British Cycling logo, which you still see wow, yeah. the, the guys use now, which is always a, a nice moment. Uh, that was designed in my bedroom. Um, but it, it sort of grew, naturally grew in some respects. to come people, we got a, an office got serious about it and 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 over the years you know it it, it, we did pretty well it was a very local thing if you like it was you know B&I's and all the local businesses that I could help and really doing a bit of anything graphic design advertising marketing anything like that I'd I'd get my hands into really but uh but yeah it 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 grew yeah Um, we sort of took on digital you know obviously uh uh, websites was the thing coming yes. in and so yeah started in that not I couldn't do it I brought in a, a eventually got a smart guy basically he yeah. was a, a tech guy a guy called Rob Smith and we basically grew the digital side to it um, he was mainly building what we would design yeah and and over the time the, the the website took off really you know we dropped the print work and we, we did a lot yep. more of the uh, the, the digital uh, I mean, my my knowledge of Blue Leaf, so from memory, I think you were Chester. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, and I don't know what it was, but Blue Leaf definitely had, and you might say because it was the, um, you know, the, the peer group that you kept, i.e. British Cycling and that kind of quality of client, but there was always, um, I'm going to say, uh, Blue Leaf to me was, was should we say, perceived to be quite a more, a more serious agency, and that might have been your client. So tell us... A little bit about how 
that perception from the outside was, you know, a respected agency dealing at, I'm going to say more of a corporate level, talking about your clients. That might be the wrong view, but tell us a little bit about those sort of years, that 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 growth journey. Mm-hmm. How how did you grow it? Um, and and what was the aim? Look, this is the company we keep, or was that just a function of the services that you delivered? Yeah, I appreciate the, uh, the mention around that. Um, yeah, we we aimed to be very professional. Yeah, we, we yeah. set our brand, our image out there. Um, we got referrals through B&Is and all that yep. sort of stuff, and then it started getting serious. I mean, I, I guess one of the breaks was a guy called Richard who made curtains, and we did a little website for him. Yeah. We then found that he was supplying Next, so we then did the website ah. for Next. Laura Ashley saw that what Next were doing and then invited us in, and we then sort of presented our wares, if yeah. you like. We ended up being the, probably the best e-commerce company in the country for websites for curtains, wow. which was very, very niche. Yeah. I'll, I'll give yeah. you that. But then Red Bull then rang us up and said, we've seen what you're doing. We'd like some help. And I'm like, why us? We're in a yeah. field in Cheshire. You know, yeah. We should be dairy farmers, not really e-com. And the guy said, well, look, I've seen that you're doing work for Next and Laura yeah. Ashley. You're winning awards, which is a key yeah. thing. You yeah. know, you're getting that out. You're running events. We were very open about running sort of network events yes. with perceived competitors. Yes. So it would be digital garden party yes. and, and, and things like that. We, we were very open to who we were yes. to others and, and inviting in. So that's why... Uh, uh, basically, Will from Red Bull <laughs> said, yeah. "I want to work with you." So uh, Fa- fascinating because we, you know, we always say, and, and you know, it's a cliche, but cliches exist because they are in the main real and true. Is that we always say to everybody, you know, the best possible lead is that referral, and you know that opportunity where what you've done is you've allowed your work to do the talking. Yeah. So it's not about. You know, when we say this to so many creative agencies and so many clients, which is, look, it's forget your pitch mm. as such. The best pitch is either your last project or even sometimes your first project. Mm. So I love that then. So what you're saying is literally it's gone from the, the curtain supplier to the retailer <laughs> to then the brand. Um, yes. and, and again, some some fantastic brands. Um, and I have heard, you know, I, I've, I've heard other agencies where organisations such as Red Bull, there are those innovators in the market mm-hmm. also tend to take a more open and a more, I'm not going to say risky, but a less trodden approach. Yes. And, and you know, there's so many people who I know have suddenly got a Jaguar Land Rover or and go, where yeah. did that come from? They yeah. say, we don't know, yeah. you know, which is which is, is, is brilliant. So we talk very, we talk a lot about knowing your values, knowing what you stand for. And if you're going to be successful in growing that business, particularly in this space, don't don't get obsessed by what I call the logo soup. So don't just put a next logo on your website because you think it makes you look good. But are those clients going to share your values? And it sounds to me like that was some of the success you had. So you said, look, you know, and, and yes, I remember, in fact, I remember now through, through Jamie Watson at Pixel 8, I um, came to one. I think one of the events you did at the uh, the Double Tree Hilton in in Chester. Right. In Chester. Uh, and there is that thing that says, as you just say, if you if you are open and you are, and again, your phrase, perceived competitors, because that's that's something that I do think inhibits a lot of um, the people we speak to. Um, that you've you've you're sort of wearing your values on your sleeve there a little bit, which is great. And I wonder whether that also drove that success because those it's fascinating to me that those clients, if you think about the concept of, you know, the manufacturer is is allowing you to speak to 
their customer who's allowing you to speak to their other customer. That's a massive amount of trust, Adrian, in you and your business for what would have been a relatively small agency at the time compared to those clients. So I want, do you think that, again, was that just was that just look of relationships or on reflection have you thought, do you know what, that maybe was because of our our system, our values, our openness? Yeah, I think it's both. We definitely set our stall out accordingly. I mean, I remember at one point we had on the wall... It said, what would the best digital agency in the world do right now? Yeah. That wasn't to be egotistical to say we were it. It yeah. had a question mark yeah. and it was, it was sort of very forward focused. But each person in my team could then own it at a singular level. So they could say, well, what would the best back end developer in the best digital agency yeah. do? Yeah. And if you think about that, that creates good actions, right? I mean, it's, it's not going to let people down. It's not going to not check your work. It's, it's high quality. So the question on the wall drove actions that were positive. And, you know, that really helped us. It also helped us to get investors and people to the gold standard, which we were wow. very rare yeah. to achieve. Yeah. But that was because we had that. We had a vision where we yeah. were going and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it all of those bits helped us. Brilliant. OK, I mean, that's, you know, it's fantastic and it's great to hear of the success stories. But I'm a big believer in saying part of our value with this podcast and part of our value being the guessing to say, OK, there's no plain sailing everything's not as perfect as it might look at the outside. So talk us through some of those, whether we call them growth pains or some of the obstacles and the challenges that you faced then while you were growing that business. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we all It's never a straight journey. We, we also think it's going to be, but there's always obstacles on, on that journey. I, I guess the worst period for me, 2013, was, was, a, was a, a tough tough year. Um, started with my mum passing away, oh, I, which is never a good start yeah. to the year. I yeah. thought my age and stage in my life was also, you know, um, thinking, yeah. you know, 40s and stuff, midlife and all that. Um, we went through a painful divorce. So personally, I'm, I'm struggling with things and, uh, and and the business itself, you know, made mistakes. Bottom line, overtraded, yeah. to work on that we couldn't deliver. Yeah. Basically, we got to the point where, you know, insolvency practitioners were effectively going to be coming into us. And, uh, you know, I just didn't want that to be part of my story. Can I, sorry, sorry, cutting across there in terms of, what I've heard there is, and, and I've heard this before, you know, and on a, on a, on a less dramatic um, level than that, or a less, I will say, attack from all sides, I've been there myself, which is that point where you're sort of reflecting on, you know, not necessarily what am I doing, and it might be what am I doing, or maybe what am I doing it for, and we'll, we'll come back to mm -hmm. why's and things like that drive you. But do you think, so do you believe now in reflection, was that just a thing, a thing that said, you know, I had the growth of business been very much your vision and your drive and so therefore was it a function of you know we talk very often about leadership and you know one of the reasons we've we've, we've got you in today is to talk about how can you maybe de-risk that business and de-risk the leader if you can have a process to fall back on and we'll talk about that later but do you think in reflection was it suddenly because the leader was distracted and therefore the other bits weren't going around or was it just a you know a a maelstrom of everything hitting you you know left right and center i, I look i take personal responsibility i was the guy at the top yeah. it was it's sort of i was the founder and leader from that point and i think if you ever lose faith in a leader then it's very hard for a team yeah. to keep going yeah. you know and the guys were brilliant you know every one of them the, I, I even remember at one occasion my leadership team pulling me in and actually just giving me a rollicking and saying 
you're not good enough. And I challenged that a little bit. So yeah. uh, I went off for a run, yeah. as I normally do, and that r run yeah. cleared my head. And I came back and said, that was brave, yeah. but you're yeah. right. So I think um, you've, you've got to get it right at the top. You've got to have the right people in to, to run it. And thankfully, I got the right people yeah. in the team to sort of catch. And, and, and But the, yeah, that year was a difficult year. You know, we, we I'd say overtraded, lost a lot. And we've got to do some, we've got to do a big change to, yeah. to bring ourselves back out of it. Yeah. Although on the outside of it, it all looked fine, you know, it all looked normal. Yeah. Winning the awards and, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. But underneath it, we were, we were close to yeah. closing. I mean, I, I, you know, when we were sort of doing some research b before today, you said something to me that really stuck with me and, and I wanted to understand a bit more about it. You actually said to me, you know, and, and this was, this could have been a phrase, it could have been a reality. You said, I lived under my desk for three months. Yeah, that's a fact. So explain that, and I'm not asking you to go back to a dark place, but <laughs> explain that and, and, and then tell, talk, what's that done for you since? What were your learnings when you come out of it? Because obviously you've come out of it, <laughs> and we can talk about that later, but at that time when you're in it, what did it feel like and what have you allowed, what, what's it done for you? Yes, it was a dark place. I mean, I, look, I'm, I'm a lucky guy generally. I've not had a lot of bad shit in my life if I'm honest but um but that was horrible and yeah yeah I you know I'd left the you know my my wife and and kids and yeah. that was tough which was just horrible and then I, I had nowhere really to go yeah so I, I literally lived on, under my desk in wow. the office which you know it's a realization when yeah. it you know I was basically getting up in the morning and going and having a shower and then getting in my car and going yeah. off and then coming in with the rest of the team you yeah. know just to hide it yeah um, which is fine until a developer walked in one morning for an early release for Laura Ashley <laughs> and uh, I was still in my pajamas. Yeah, but yeah. Um, developers didn't notice much. But, you know, it is... Yeah, I, 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 My feeling was I didn't want this to be the story of my life. Yeah. I really needed to make some sort of change and wow. I, I, I was I was grasping for what that was. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in, the, in understanding how you... You know, because you are literally—I use the word maelstrom. There, you're in the—you're in the middle of a horrible thing that, you know, we always talk about the need for a support system, mm -hmm. and the support system there, in a very short space of time, had literally fallen away from under your feet. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it's—and it's being able to look at look at yourself and see, as you say, where we can go. We—the we, analogy we've called—we call this the map room because our analogy was. You know, if you look at a, a we, we talk about the battlefield and we talk about the fact that if you've set a strategy out and you set some objectives and you come back and measure those objectives against a map, whether that be, you know, what we do, you know, budgeting, forecasting, we'll talk later about your, your process. But it's I think it's always important. And we always said the most important thing is if your route to objective A is blocked how do you find another route so again i'm you know i'd love to hear how, you know what your uh, alternative route was but how did you get yourself to a position where you could even look at that and not just again we always use the the, the map analogy how did you not just you know hide in your foxhole and say i want it all to stop yeah i mean the key i guess the key driver for me was that i didn't want my story to be that i'd failed Blue Leaf and the team, uh, you know, I didn't want that to be closed, and and that was my story. You know, yeah. I could have probably gone and done something else, but yeah. I don't know what. So I was really struggling with that. Um, I guess the, the the 
the turning point of it in many ways was when somebody gave me a book, which was Traction by Gino Wickman. Okay. And yeah. gave me this book. I'd got time yeah. on my hands yeah. to read it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I read it. I, and, you know, it, I thought it's simple in some respects. You know, we're on about values and vision and 10 year, three year, one year, all, all the good stuff, which we yeah. sort of know, but yeah. I guess we weren't doing the things properly. So. You know, I, I spoke with my business partner, partner Rob. I was open about the situation. We were very close. And, uh, yeah, we, we laid down a new plan. We, we thought, we've got to clear this crap off. So yeah. we, we personally took a big bank loan on, yeah. on our heads personally and um, paid off everybody that we owed. And, and we made a new plan using the traction book, if okay. I'm honest. Yeah. And that helped us to create, um, you know, a, a rigor in the business that, we, yeah. we didn't have previously, you know, the weekly meetings and so on that were, were really, really useful, solving issues yeah. very, very quickly. Um, and, yeah, that worked, you know, that and, you know, all the, the things which come with it, a bit of luck and all that sort of stuff, you know, it all worked and it, it helped to change us around. And thankfully we, we grew and to the point where we were successful again and, and successful from the point of, um, you know, coming to an exit really, where yeah. where people were interested in buying us really, which was which was very good. But I must say, one of the values I had when we rewrote the values was passionate about the possible. So we did the the sort of exercise the, with uh, traction and EOS, yeah. and um, I was very strong about the passionate about the possible okay. as a as a value, and that led a lot of my thinking and a lot of the team because we just wanted people around us. That were passionate about yeah. the possible, you know. Explain. So, had you read that book at another time, would passion in the possible resonated with you, or was it because you were sat there and maybe what you thought was possible? And and for many people, possible is normal or it's normalised. So, what I thought was possible was. You know the the business, the marriage, the family, the what, et cetera, et cetera, and suddenly all that's gone or changed. And 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 and, and as you say, maybe part of that drive is look, the business is the last is the is is sort of the last um, uh, visualization or personalization of Adrian, and, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fight to keep that going. Did suddenly the possible was that a need for to say, do you know what, I need to look for something different. I need to do something different. Um, and I, I'm just fascinated that uh, I, I'm a big believer in, in saying, you know, the passion the possible. And, you know, uh, I will often say to people, you know, sometimes the, the best question you can ask yourself is why not? Not, you know, I, I always say I spent too many years sort of, I'm going to say, abiding to rules. Um, and in fact, I listened to a fantastic um, podcast yesterday and I'm very biased with my sport of rugby. And an ex-all black coach, you know, says, talks about rules. And he says, rules are there to guide the brave and inhibit the foolish, which I think is a, a brilliant way of doing it. But I, I'm, I'm fascinated here about would, would passion for possible been the thing, out of everything else that I know that's in that book, I find it really interesting that that's the bit that's resonated with you now hearing what brought you to that point of reading the book. I, I, I think... You know, I, I read a lot of books and, yeah. and time and audio and stuff like that. And it depends on your time and place that when yeah. you're reading it, you yeah. know. So uh, at that time, I needed something. So you yeah. read into it, yeah. if you like. And I think you can pick up any book and uh, there's stuff in it that you, which which is always there, but it's it's only when you really need it that you, you may resonate with it. So 
just right time, right place, I think, and then making use of it and harnessing it. Fantastic. So you're saying there that, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to use the word lifeline because I think it's deeper than, I think what you've been through and what you've, um, I'm going to say, surmounted, succeeded, is greater than the average business challenge, if you don't mind me saying sure. that. You've definitely come from a darker place and you've definitely had multiple challenges. This is not just your, biz- your business. Um, and you've said there, and, and I'm going to say you've, I think you've underplayed there, Adrian, saying, you know, and we got successful again. And, you know, you know, you know, I, I know that that has led to a successful exit. And I, and I want to talk about that. But there are lots of people, Adrian, who we speak to. And we're always very, um, in, in, you know, intentional about the guests that we get in here. And we always talk about the fact that, you know, it's we map. We have a we have a thing about not wanting egos in the business, and we don't want necessarily egos in, in the map room. And it's fascinating that you're talking there. And and I think maybe, and this might be you and your personality. There'll be lots of people who would have been shouting from the rooftops about growing a business and selling a business and what a great entrepreneur they were and business owner they were. And actually, you've almost thrown that bit under the table and said. So was that? Talks about that was that was that almost your sort of self justification? Was it a goal when you came out? Was it you said you know I didn't want this to be my story? What what was the story that you envisaged for yourself? And was was exit actually a, a target at that point? I probably always it wasn't really a fixed goal. Um, I'd got a vision that I would love to sell a business. You know yeah. that is one of those things up there to grow a company. You know you've got it's got something about it and, and somebody wants it and to carry on that. In, in some shape or form. So I definitely had that. But in general terms, I didn't really have that as fixed down as yeah. a fixed uh, thing. Um, as part of the process that we went through with EOS, that did help us to really refine that a lot better. And yes. We did start to craft that. And that did help us as our North Star, if you like, as yep. to where we were going. We knew we needed to um, niche a lot better. Yes. The problem, Always a fan of that one, Adrian. Yeah, but it's making sure you niche in the right area. I mean, yeah. my first niche was curtain websites, for yeah, yeah. It, right? And that that was okay, but yeah. it, we pulled that one together, really. Yeah. We'd done what we could. <laughs> um, so then we were trying to find whether it's a technology or, or yeah. whatever. So when we figured out that um, Salesforce Commerce Cloud was something that we were good at doing as a team, right. and it was something which was, you know, it was good value clients and bigger clients and yeah. stuff like that, we felt that actually that's something that could probably take us to that goal of exit. Yes, yes. And so, yeah, that's that was then a difficult thing, though, in many respects, because you, if you're niching, you're then also doing other client work, like Red Bull, for instance, mm. which was not a commerce piece. Yeah. So then we've got to then decide, oh, what do we do about this outlier? <laughs> so then we had to sadly part with some clients which was actually it's like parting with teammates at times it's it's a horrible exercise but we felt we needed to do it to bring the clarity to us as as a team to focus on that commerce cloud piece that we did i think it's i think it's a really valuable lesson uh to everybody listening that again you know what you're saying there is you didn't start out with that goal so we talk to you know we've got we've now got you know touching 300 um, clients are in this in this space um, and you talk to a lot of those and they'll say 
that they have a, a vision or a, or, or, a, or a ambition, should we say, not a plan, ambition to grow and sell a business. And I'm a big believer in saying that's great and that's going to stay a dream until you have a plan and a process to do something with it. And, and you've said there that you used a process and that process has allowed you to really throw away some of the noise and be really clear on use the phrase north, north star and be absolutely clear again you know that's why we've got this thing about the map and the journey is that be really clear on that destination that you want and i see so many people who get so close to that but that outlier to use your phrase always remains the problem and that outlier either comes up in due diligence and kills a deal or just stops them ever doing it because actually what they say is I'm you know I'm really committed to selling this business or really let's just use your phrase I'm really committed to being the best we can be in e-commerce but I've still got this visual design client over here and you do sit there and say are you are you really are you really committed um and from you know my own experience from the evidence we see in the uh, you know the financials of the map clients and I've said this before we don't judge it on the best, but those clients for whom are better at taking advantage of an opportunity or are in a position to grow faster have done that. As you say, niche can mean many things, but focusing on what are we best at or what are we great at. You know, we can, we can, you know, we talk AOS later, we might talk, you know, the, the classic Jim Collins thing, what can we work with world class at? And the rest just has to stop. Um, and that's the difference for me between it. So I'm really interested in, I'm, I'm, you know, I think we'll, we'll probably need to move on and, and talk about the, you know, the process and the things that the things that it did for you. But I, I'm I'm really interested that. So the 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 exit was, if you like, a, a a maturing target. It wasn't where you started. It wasn't, you know, verification of right success for me means I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to sell it. That was almost a result of the success that you had. So. I'm interested again in in drivers for exit. Why exit? And more importantly, on reflection, and you might say the why was the driver, was it the right thing for you, for Adrian, and was it the right thing for your team? When I started Blue Leaf, it was very much a passion project. I was loving it. You know, I was involved with everything. I could wear all the hats and do everything within it and, you know, working with clients and delivering mm. and all that sort of stuff. But... As the business got more mature, you know, in the latter years, I struggled with it. I mm. I couldn't really find my place. I lost my passion yep. and, and my purpose. And I was the CEO of this business now, which was, you know, nationally uh, well known and regarded. But, you know, technically I felt out my depth. You know, I, mm. I didn't feel like I was in the right place. Mm. So, which was difficult for me, you know, getting up every day and going and doing what you're doing, you know, you've got to put a face on that in some regard, especially if you're leading that team yep. and, and, you know, that's, that's important. But I wanted to make a change, um, but I didn't really know what it was. So if I could get, in many ways, move on from the company in a positive way, then that would really, really suit me great. Yep. And so the exit, when it came, was was absolutely great. I think, you know, a part of, just backtracking slightly, we I, I mentioned what were the best digital agency in the world, mm. which was general, creating that generalisation a little bit. So w what we did do was we changed it to the ultimate Salesforce commerce cloud experience. Yeah. 
And that got us that laser sharp focus yeah. that all we did was Salesforce, but it was the, the ultimate experience, yeah, you yeah. know? So that yeah. really made sure all our team were just focusing on one thing to get rid of the outliers and so on. And that really, really helped us to, to achieve, you know, um, I guess inbound inquiries about what we're yeah. doing uh, of, of Salesforce Commerce Cloud and from acquirers. That, that's, that's really interesting. Again, that's a, um, I'm going to say that's a lesson worth understanding if you're a small business owner say it's looking there and, 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 and maybe you do have that ambition. Maybe you even have that plan, how to grow and sell my business. There are uh, lots of people who will say uh, you're going to grow your business by getting uh, you know more clients, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's really interesting that what you've said there is you've taken a slightly different route which is you've positioned that business. And again, we have lots of um, evidence of people who have done that. Um, before we started the Map Room podcast, we did a podcast with um, uh, Paul and, and James um, were co-founders of a business called Go Proposal that had a, um, a, an exit to Sage. And James t- tells a story there that when he was, you know, used a classic built to sell, not the book per se, but that, that um, angle, is that, he was seeking to partner with the kind of person that would buy that business because it elevated what would have otherwise been with respect to smaller business into that world. And so what you're saying, two things that I'm really interested in there is you chose Salesforce as a as a as a as a um, let's just say a technology, it doesn't matter. But that did two things. It allowed you to be crystal clear on your role in that in that ecosystem your that your your value proposition is a phrase i will use but that's what i mean by that but it also it also i would suggest gave you a leg into that enterprise client that you might not have had otherwise so again and I, it, we don't need to go on as to whether that was your plan at the time but i'm just trying to get that for listeners to understand there's another way of elevating your business which is jumping on the tells of something um john from space 48's told us last year about the fact that you know he suddenly thought you know this magento is going to be this thing and he jumped and he jumped on that and as you say it allows you to be perceived as you know and i know it wasn't the case with red bull and because i know they came to you before these days but you've then got clients looking for okay i'm looking to do this with my sales force and here's someone going to help me do it rather than they probably wouldn't have inquired to blue leaf per se without that so i think that's a really valuable lesson for people to take on board there's that that's another very intelligent route to grow in a business than to get scale in a business and to get yourself into that enterprise space if that's where you want to get to. Well, it, you're right. And the piece that we focused on uh, to help us around that was by going to Salesforce and saying, guys, we only do Salesforce. Yeah. So they felt really comfortable putting yep. us into a lead and yep. opportunity name. Yep. We're not going to do Magento or anything yep. else. Yep. You know, there's a lot of other platforms available, but... Um, yeah, that was the piece that really elevated us and gave us the confidence with sales because we were a small team out yeah, of the field yeah. in Cheshire, right? Yeah. So the fact that you know, big company yeah. in London were yeah. now giving us these leads, it, it yeah. was that's what elevated us. I'm giggling to myself to say that because I can just imagine the Salesforce executive saying to you literally, so, Aaron, how long have you worked in this field, i.e.? <laughs> and you're going, how do you know that? We're actually in a, we are actually in a field. So, brilliant. So... So you've, you've done this exit. You've said something there that almost sounded like you're saying it was the right thing for you because you'd you'd, you'd been self-aware enough to know, do you know what, for whatever reason, either I've I've reached where I'm going, I've reached my plateau, I've lost my passion is one of the things that mm-hmm. you said there. And one of the things that, again, I, I, you know, I've learned and I say to lots of people is 
sometimes the best leaders just know when when or just get out of the way because actually the the le- the startup leader is fundamentally different psychologically and skill wise to the scale up leader so you're talking there you know you took that decision but help me understand the so i understand therefore the why at that point and why it was the right thing for, for you to do um and we'll t- we can talk about the team and everything else but you've then gone and, and very often and i say this to very many people when, when you're in the problem often often is also you've committed then to a process of committed to selling this business or committed to the opportunity to sell a business and you go through all the we you know we're not going to you know go through the horrors of due diligence every day that's that's again more for another episode but you almost get there and you have a view of what life might look like now lots of people sell you know to different areas you've done something that i've done in the past which is because of the space you were in, it's brought in a very different type of acquirer. So if I'm right, you sold to a Canadian-based business that was at the time, I don't know whether they were at the time in circa 29 countries or 20 offices, but they are a considerable international business. So I'm going to use your words. How do you go from a field a field off the A49 to literally, you know, to to seven continents talk to us about that fit talk about the cultural challenge give us give us a feel of what did suddenly your world or your horizons your what was your phrase what's the the possible futures what's the what's the passion in the possible suddenly possible became immense that's not always a great thing talk us through that yeah it was interesting and and we'll just point out there that to help us to get to this, it was very important that we did change our, our model, really. So I started to call fall into sort of a uh, what we call a visionary role in the EUS world. Yep, yep. And that when that was done and Rob was very much in the integrator role, it meant it put me in a place where I knew where my place in the company, yep. which was really important, and where Rob was, rather than me trying to do everything. Um I remember a conversation me and Rob were having on one occasion. We go for a walk in the country, and uh, it was like, "Well, oh, this is still damned hard. We're, we're, we're doing all right, but there's not as many commerce cloud projects as we would really like yep. for e-com projects in in Salesforce." And uh, then we're starting to think, "Well, do we start doing all of the other Salesforce platforms?" Yep. But then you've got the the growth, the resource. And it was very strange, but we started to get inbound inquiries about acquiring us. Very soon after we'd had that conversation, yeah. we didn't instigate anything, any yeah. change. But I'm I'm not saying, but the world just drew something to us in some regards. And it, it, we, we ended up with six companies globally, um, France, Texas, you know, uh, Canada mm. and all over were, were interested in us. And, and the thing that they were interested in was our footprint in the UK, the yeah. Salesforce Commerce Cloud footprint we had. Yes. And, and that's what they wanted. So... We went through all six, looking at them, and and really drilled it down to the one that we went with, which was OSF. And and we only went with that because we felt we got a match on the values. Yeah. We felt that they were being fair, which yep. they were being fair. And and it what it also did is is it gave us more scope and you know more breadth for my dear blue leafers really yep. to to yep. to develop, which yep. was important to me. Um, because what we were going from was they wanted to just you know, acquire us and keep us as we were yes. and to run it as we are. Yeah. 
but backed out by the global team yeah. so they could do um, all the different uh, yeah. clouds uh, as well. So we could go in and, and get the multi-cloud deals. I've heard that, and I've heard that pitch so many times, and, and you might say it didn't happen, but in my experience, <laughs> how quickly did the back office reporting, how much did that suddenly change? I've, I've heard lots of international buyers say, um, you know, we're going to leave you alone. We're, and then suddenly it's, oh, yeah, but we want this integration, we want that integration. Did that happen to you? Or oh, not? The integration was tough. Yeah. It was tough. Um, you know, my two people that ran it, really, Sarah and yeah. Kay, were just amazing. And, and they were close to being to the brink of, yeah. of, of that yeah. integration piece. It wasn't that they wanted to come in and put new people in. That wasn't the problem. No. They were leaving, you know, me and Rob to, yeah. to front it and run it as we did. It was the transferring of information. It was yes. the processes. It was that's, the data. That's it's, what I mean when I say backroom. That's it's usually it's usually reporting in inf- management information systems absolutely. without using a you know a, an unnecessary phrase. Absolutely. That's what yeah. people find so difficult. Yeah, and yeah. and we that was the, almost the point that, as I say, pushed at, at least those two over. But you know, they 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 stood by it, and I was really grateful that all the team stood by it and went went through it. Just one person left to start their own business. Yep. which was great but um the rest stayed and then you get to that point we did anyway we got to the point where there was a lot of upsides for people yeah you've got the downsides i mean we met last week and the blue leafers were like oh you know it was great when it's blue leaf yeah yeah, yeah. But, identity but, changes yeah, doesn't it absolutely. Yeah, yeah and but that's gone that was the yeah. old model yeah. that's the old sort of setup if you like but now you've got this new team which uh one guy traveling around the world and going speaking and running you know doing that's rob who's doing yeah. lots of great stuff and then you know other people just falling into a different you know yeah. maybe a similar role but yeah. you know just doing it differently let's come let's come back to you though and and what i mean by this is i want to come back to the owner because this is this is a talking about that you know this podcast is aimed at the business owner and you know we talk at map about our you know our mission is to make uh, business and their owners be more financially mature and part of financial maturity is having all this understanding of what this can do to me so you, you said there people think exit is this tick in the box done it done I, I, again and this might be personality and you spoke there about the opportunities for everybody else the opportunities for the, for the blue leafers um but you started this by saying this sort of res in the same way that the person who gave you the traction book, it was the right timing. You're saying suddenly those offers came in and it was the right time. You said there that you'd actually lost a bit of your, your passion, etc. So what does life for the business, what does life for Adrian look like after this? Because I, I get what you've said. Everyone else has gone, I'm, I can carry on doing what I'm doing in in a in a bigger business. There's got, got some exciting opportunities. Suddenly, you know, I know Red Bull were not, um, a client at that point, but that kind of client is attainable again. We can be an instant client, but the things that may be, when I say driven, I mean in the right, in the positive sense, the, the things that you decided that now's the time for me to go, what 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 does your life look like as the, as the previous owner? What does, you know, because clearly, you know, we're going to go on and talk about what you're doing now. So there's clearly a bridge between where you were then and what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. So help me help me fill that bridge. I, I love the people side to our business. I love, you know, seeing people do well and achieve stuff. Um, I didn't enjoy the actual 
you know, looking at the cash flow each week and seeing yeah. what day the money runs out, yeah. you know, and yeah. didn't enjoy sacking people if we yeah. needed to do it for whatever reason. Um, so the fact that once I'd been acquired, the business yeah. had been acquired, I now then fell into this box of that's yeah. who you are, Adrian. You yeah. do a, a first role was sales yeah. and marketing. I yeah. carry on that role. But I got a lot more people behind me to follow and carry it through, yeah. which is great. And so I was excited. I was excited that I'd, I'd stripped away the things that I wasn't yeah, yeah, wanting to do. Yeah. And there was an element which was I was juiced about. I probably wasn't um, amazing at it, but I was I was good at opening doors. I was good with the people. I was yeah. good supporting them, but I needed people to get yeah. it through. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do the tech yeah. side to it. So that was really good. But I'll be honest, I... It, Overtook me quite quickly, yeah. you know. So I'm now in a you know one and a half thousand strong people organization. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it got too much for me. Yeah. It, it was it, it was not where my passion was. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I needed yeah. to be with smaller leadership teams. Yeah. I needed yeah. to be with. You got to be back in that field. I did absolutely. Yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah I, I love it. I, I see, you know, so many, so many clients we see, and we'll go back to. The you know let's use next rather than the, maybe we've used the rebel analogy too much but they they think that the future is the big client and and that sometimes then takes them into a different world and very often they they go for the they go for the biggest acquirer for two reasons one because often and and I'm not you know, I'm not going to pry often that might be the bigger number it's not always the bigger number but often it's the bigger number uh, and it's the I'm not going to say easier sell to a team but it's the thing that and almost sometimes I've seen ego-driven transactions go by and I sold this to this huge international conglomerate, therefore aren't I, aren't I brilliant? Um, but actually, uh, it comes back to the thing that says, but everything that you've said to me so far is, I started this business in my room. I It was me. I felt total... You used the phrase before of total responsibility. I felt total responsibility. And you felt responsibility for all your people. Suddenly, the upside is I don't need to be the FD anymore. I'm going to have somebody else doing that over there. I don't need to worry about, you know, I used to joke about, I don't need to worry about the crisps in the vending machine kind of thing sometimes to people. But that, all the things that maybe, I don't know whether you did or didn't resonate at the time, the things that, as I say, maybe gave you fulfilment. You spoke there about, you know, maybe the size of people. I'm also suggesting that, Maybe it was about the fact that you could have more of a direct influence on a smaller group of people, potentially. But that's the bit that very often I see with with founders is that the business becomes the thing. And but the thing that and, and I say this because, you know, when I when I um, sold my first major business, you know, I've been very open about it. I spent nine months probably in a bit of a wilderness that I just thought. Hang on a minute. What have I, what have I done here? And it wasn't the the grieving element that people talk, some owners talk about. It was that I didn't recognise it at the time. I recognised it on reflection after. It was that self fulfilment, Adrian, that was that was missing. You know, and, and the why I'm doing something, and that's the bit that I think is a really valuable lesson here, which is. I understand why the timing was right. I understand why it was a brilliant deal for, as you say, partners gone to do things for for the rest of your team. But it 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 was the it was suddenly asking. It sounds to me like it was asking you to be a very different person. I said to the guy that bought me, I, I said I do feel like a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm certainly, I, after about a year of doing yeah. the, the, the sales marketing yeah. for Salesforce, yeah. I sat down and said, look, if I was you, yeah. I'd get rid of me, Adrian, yeah. and I'd get a smart sales marketing guy in yeah. who can drive it. Yeah. And he said, well, what do you want to do? Because yeah. I like you, you yeah. know. I said, I want to lead the culture in your business. Yeah. And he said, oh, we've got a, we've got a great yeah. culture. Yeah. I said, well, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. disagree. I just want to lead it and make it even better. Yeah. So uh, I sort of picked up the cultural role, yeah. and he said, as long as you do internal comms. So I yeah. said, okay, I'll be global internal yeah. comms and culture yeah. director. Yeah. And so I made up the title and yeah. the role myself, which was quite unique because it wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I then got the passion back because I'm yeah. now with the people. I'm driving yeah. culture. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, all that good stuff about yeah. building the team. Yeah. That, that's what yeah. I did. And I did that for a... About a year and a half with a okay. with an, an, an energy and passion, but it, it dwindled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah. dwindled yeah. because I felt I was pushing culture uphill. Yes, you just said there, and you know, I'm anyone who's listened to me on this before. I always say that culture is the biggest single differentiator in my work experience between success and, and otherwise. I never use the word failure because it's a chance to do something different. But anyone who says we've got a great culture is deluded in my opinion um because you know your culture should always be moving forward you should always be questioning your culture and and anybody you know that geez particularly for a business that size we've got a great culture is just and you found out that yeah it was i was they talk about it but yeah you're pushing that uphill so let, let's let's move on to because i'm now really getting a feeling to why what we want to talk about now is what you're doing now because I've met many people who have got a business, sold a business and gone, you know, what am I today? You know, I always say this in my very first experience, uh, Paul had me talk about this of selling a business. I was selling it as the MD, although I wasn't a shareholder of that business. Um, And we'd gone all the way through through the due diligence and it fell down at the end because the majority shareholders said, if I sign that form, who and what am I tomorrow? And I and I get that. So I hear all that, but actually I'm seeing a real logic. What you're saying is that not only did you know, so so at the top of this, obviously, you know, I um, and I'll I'll get the word implementer right this time. So you know, a professionally OS implementer. Not only did did this process genuinely turn your life around, and I'm going to say that, you know, and you might not say that, and people. People might not believe you if you then on a process, but you know it's clear from the evidence that it did for you. I think it's relit a passion in you, not something that you've gone. Do you know what? I've suddenly come across this, and I'm interested. It's something that's taken you so far, and almost, I will say, use your phrase about a niche. I think you found your niche agent. You found the thing that says what 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 literally lights me up. And I couldn't do it in that big business, so I'm going to go and do it with others. Is that is that fair? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, let's talk about that then. Talk talk about so let's talk about what you're doing now, and what is an EOS implementer. Um, let me just backtrack slightly yeah, because sure. it, it, just just a little bit because um, yeah, I, I did lose the passion within, and I was yep. starting to search and find. Um, I was trying to go into agencies and companies and yep. try and help them and say, look, yep. I can help you with your culture. I can help yep. you. You know, I've got yep. a story. Yep. I couldn't. I couldn't package it yeah. very well. Yeah. I'm not great at packaging yeah. something. Yeah. Um, so I was really struggling with that piece for about a year, two years. Um, and then what happened was I, I started this year, January, um, I just spotted traction and EOS. Yeah. And I thought, oh, God, yeah, that was 
I was really good yeah. in our business. Yeah. So picked it up, read it. Thought, well, it was good. Looked at the website. Spoke with the um, European guy who runs yeah. it, Dean. Love it. I got like. I've got goosebumps now. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, really yeah. weird. But I can I, see it in your eyes, yeah. honestly. I can see the passion. Just, your eyes have just lit up, Adrian. Uh, I know You know, we talk <laughs> about audio and you, people can't see that, but believe me, that there is a light just come on behind your eyes. I, I'm... Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, the values and, and they're about a story, they're about a network, they're about keeping it pure, which, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a fan of all, yeah. all of the, all of those things. And it just completely resonated with me. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, oh, my God, I just want to help um, other people on their yeah. journey, you yeah. know, whatever yeah. industry, whatever company yeah. they're in, just to break out, you know, and break, get through that ceiling, which you yeah. keep on it in bouncing yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I, you know, over the course of the year, I just read more, I spoke to more people and then thought, I've, I've got to do this, I've got to do it. And so, um, come September, yeah, you know, I've done my boot camp and, yeah, uh, yeah I'm ready to go. That, that, that was the thing. And then picking up clients with with passion. It's, yeah. So it's leadership yeah. teams. Basically, I help lead, leadership teams yeah. get their shit together. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah, yeah. And it's following the EOS process. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's helping them with the vision, the values. Yeah. The, but but there's a lot more good stuff around it about how you solve issues very quickly yeah. and, and, and it's having that process. It's about yeah. how you bring make meetings 10 out of 10 rather yeah. than having a meeting and walking out. And it's like, okay, so yeah. who's doing what? Yeah. You know, there's too much of that in business. And I think using a framework of whatever yeah. framework yeah. you want to use, yeah. yeah. You know, this is just one way that you can actually do it. If you bring the rigor, yeah. if you follow, yeah. you know, you, it will definitely help yeah. uh, leadership teams. I love this because you've gone from you've gone from saying a few years ago it was the possible. The possible is now you've 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 understood that the possible is not for everybody because you've now found your passion within that something. And, you know, following your passion is something I would, I would say to anybody and everybody listening, you know, that you will have your greatest success if you if you follow your passion. Um, but what you're saying to me there, if I'm if I'm hearing it right, is you've then found a process that allows you to um, I'm, I'm not going to say manage the passion because I don't mean it that way. But what you're saying is, look, this is when we all passion lies. And I've found a process that allows me to share that or, should we say, facilitate that with others. So um, let, let's skip vision and values because I've said on here and I'll say again, when I work with clients and I work with people in a non-exec capacity, I will not work with them unless they can show explain to me their vision and values because everything else I do after that won't work without that. So let's leave that bit aside. And I, I'm, and I like what you're saying. There are, there are numerous processes out there that, you know, look at some kind of operating system. But for people who don't know it, just briefly, what is the process? What is the EOS process? I think it's, so it's entrepreneurial operating system. Correct. Yeah, okay. So... And, and as I say, let, let's part the vision and values piece because yeah. I think what you're saying is I use the process to, if you like, actually give people those actions, make meetings meaningful. Let's make some real progress on this plan. So talk us through what the process is. Yeah, 
you know, within a business, if I was asked to ask, ask a business owner to score their business in yeah. one of six areas, vision, you know, being yeah. part of it, uh, about the people, the yeah. data, how they solve issues, the process, all those sort of things. And the final one in, in EOS is, yeah. is uh, traction. Um, you know, they're going to have a score and some yeah. of 20, 30 percent. What yeah. we're aiming to do is help leadership teams get to a, a, the perfect 100. Yeah. 80 is, is great. Yeah, That's probably yeah. the goal. But, you know, if we can get them great with the values and so on, um, key, you know, there's many key ones. People. Yeah. Right people, right seats. It's a yeah. terminology we've heard yeah, before. Yeah, Jim Collins. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but what we're aiming to do is not just get a, a, a flow chart of where people sit in the yeah. company. We're, we're trying to get an accountability chart. Yeah. So we want to build the right accountability for the people in the team. Yeah. And then we've got to figure out what roles... Yeah, each person in that seat is going to do, and then we've got to make sure we've got the right people yeah. in those seats. So it's such an important part to do. We've got to have the right data to measure it. Yeah. We've got to solve the issues very efficiently. We've got to have some sort of process. Not ISO. Yeah. We're we're sort of like Pareto's eighty twenty rule, yeah. if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, get twenty yeah. percent, we we'll yeah. get eighty yeah. done. Yeah, and get all these in place. Get regular pulse meetings. You know, down yeah. weekly, following a very strict process. Yeah. That's when you get traction. That's yeah. when it really starts yeah. to take off. Yeah. So that's that's what it is. I as an implement look, anybody can read a book, the traction yeah. book, yeah. and do it themselves. That's part of our, yeah. our model. Yeah. But if you know, we can read a book how to do yeah. SEO yeah. or yeah. do our wills. Yes, correct. So anybody can do anything. Yeah. But sometimes you need somebody just to look in at you and hold a mirror up to you to guide you. And that's what you know, me as an implementer is what six hundred and fifty seven offers yeah. globally. Wow are doing uh, yeah. to help um, business owners. I think, I mean, I like the thing that says, uh, you know, let's, you know, you can you can do the YouTube, you can you can read the book. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? You can look at it, you can read the book. I, I've read the book and um, I've got, I've got some of the ones, some of the ones that stay, like Get, Get a Grip, et cetera, which is, is, is also worth a read. But there's two things here striking out for me. I'm always a fan of, um, I always talk about, you know, some of the stuff that I do as non-exec. It's that, it's that ability to look at something and challenge something without, um, let's go back to your, we've got a great culture. You know, most business owners are positive. Most business owners are also, some of them don't recognise the fact that what they're getting from their team is what the team thinks they want to hear rather than the reality. And what's the, the, the real value to me about outsourcing something to an independent, an implementer, a facilitator, whatever word we're going to use, a mentor even, is that they can look at something without the emotional baggage. They can look at something um, really crisp and clear. Um, and that adds value in itself. I think that's one thing. I think there's a very different value here, Adrian, which is you have lived, you have lived that. And my favourite bit in this EOS has always been the accountability chart. And the reason I say that is very often um, you are you are living proof of this. But I'm going to say we, we we're lots of clients that have got you know multiple founders. They get to a point and either you know the, the people that you know, and I've said this very often about startup and scale up. Start up, they're all spinning the plates, they're all doing everything. And then as they get a bit bigger, you know, right, you, so you're going to be, you know, so I hate the, the joint MD, so you're going to be the, the MD and, and you're going to take operational responsibility and you're going to take potentially financial responsibility or even just sales and marketing, as you said. And that entrepreneurial person sometimes does then feels a bit constricted by this. And 
that accountability chart allows people to say, you've mentioned a few things there that, you know, so am I the right person in the right seat? You've actually lived it and said two things. You said, I thought I should sell my business because I was no longer the most appropriate lead. That's not the word you said to me, but that's the logic that I heard. And I think, and that's, first of all, I think that tells everything, agent about you and, and your self-awareness and, and your values, which is really strong to be able to do that. But now to be able to go into people and say, look, yeah, look, you can read this book the same as I can read it. I read it. I would suggest that if you reread it now and the things that you'd advise people, you'd be saying it differently and from a different place than when you first read it. Mm-hmm. But being able to tell the story that says, look, I lived this journey and if I did it again, I would have done this different. I, I think that just takes it to another level, and I mean that not just because you sat here, Adrian, but this is why I wanted this piece because it's about, as I say, there are there are lots of, you know, we can all go and find self help books. We can all go and find somebody who there's lots of people who will say they can be a non exec. You said there about there's lots of people who and then go, I can help this person, I can help another business sell their business or whatever. And it is about the packaging, and it's about the, but I think. There's a, and I mean this, there's a magical mix there of, of, of the reality of your experience, the passion that you clearly bring to it because it's about the people, but also what you haven't said, but I get the feeling, Adrian, is, and it's one of the reasons I do this podcast, it's one of the reasons I do my non-exec work, I am passionate about saying to people, please, please don't make the mistakes I made. I am not sitting here saying... You know, yes, I can show you the track record of growing and selling two agencies if that matters to you. But just push that aside. Let me tell you what I've learned along the way. Let me tell you why I think this process works. It that I think is more than uh, the value in the process. And I'm not demeaning the process, Adrian, but I, I I really believe there's something unique there, and and I, and I wish you absolutely every every success with it. Thank you. Um, Having been where you've been, mm-hmm. what do you believe are the strongest elements of EOS? So I know you're going to say it's it's an entirety, a jigsaw, but if I said to you today, what's the one thing that you now think is the is the is the key differentiator? What would you pull out, or is that not as simple as that? It's not as simple as that. But if I did make it mm-hmm. simple, I would say it's the rigor and the consistency. So when people say, "Oh, yeah. well, I've done it and I implement it myself," yeah. and How's it working? Well, not mm-hmm. too great. Are you having weekly level tens? Yeah. No, we don't do that bit. And IDSing, identify, discuss, solve. No, we don't don't do that. Mm-hmm. But we do all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So it's the rigor of yeah. following all the parts. It's like downloading only part of your Mac operating yeah. system. Yeah. Well, it's not going to work the same unless you do the whole thing, right? Half the ingredients in your cake will fall flat. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. you've got to have all of it in there for it to work. I, I think there's a, a – I love the – rigour is the phrase I, I, I would use, it, is that, you know, I, I, I'm not an accountant, but I'm passionate about the finance function because you said about overtrading. I lost my first business through overtrading, and therefore I now – I used to think that budgets and forecasts and even business plans were limiters, you know. Um but now I recognise the importance of it, it's that rigour. And also, as you say, you know, in, 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 in any other business I work with, it is that um, the pulse of, OK, we are going to have this monthly board meeting. It is going to have these minutes. And I respect the fact that says then at the operating level, you're going to do things weekly and all the rest of it. But it is the rigour. And I know that 
when I've made those mistakes in the past, it's when you let that little bit go. It's like saying, oh, we scored all these goals today, but we left the goalkeeper on the bus, so we've actually ended up losing. So it's 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 um the rigor, the rigor is the key thing. Um but I think your passion and that and that rigor are, are very, very different age and very and very special. Um we're trying this year to say this is about actionable steps that people can take and if i said to you what's the again given what you've lived through and where you are now and this is not about saying what would you do differently because i think that's a different question and i think everything that you've gone through has actually you you are a function today of everything of all your ingredients so far but if i said to you what's the one thing you'd say to somebody um should we say under the pressure that you found yourself in in 2013 What's the one thing? Or go back. Let me flame it another way. What does the 2023 Adrian Lomas say to the 2013 Adrian Lomas that's going to give him the relight his fire and that's a take that song. Relight his fire and get him where you are today in a much happier and more positive place. Look, it's very easy for me to say get the EOS book and yeah. read it, and, and you know that is one part of it. But I think it's. It's more than that. I think one is making sure that you've got the right people around you and you're open and honest to them. You know, you can trust them. So a peer group, I think, in that situation yeah. is, is is imperative. Um, and I think probably the final bit being just make sure that you're um, catching your team doing the right thing. You know, yeah. you, you, you're you thanking your team. Yes. You know, you're, you're, you're going around and, and I used to love doing it, going around each morning, checking, you know, how was your mum? How was last week? How was, yeah. you know... Just social things yeah. to know that you care. Sure, you, you care. care absolutely. And if it, that I think is now missed a lot more now that we're all at remote and mm. zooms and stuff. But if you can show your team you care, yes, that's that's where I would point you. I, I also I think that has a, a very um, poignant image in that as well. A poignant message agent that I'm going to go back to the man who sent three months under his desk is the feeling of isolation and what you're saying there is you want to say to people, and I said this to so many people, part of our drive with this podcast was to say to people, guys and ladies, you're not on your own in this. <laughs> there are people around Absolutely. you. You've mentioned peer groups there. Peer groups are either, if you've got the team, great. Uh, I think today you're with another organisation that creates like a virtual peer group and those are out there and we need and, and you know you need to go and find them as well. That you know Very often, one of the questions I would ask is, You've said there about a leadership team. When's the right part for this to start? Who doesn't it work with? So if I'm the if I'm the sole trader, if I'm starting my business today, is it almost too early to have a process like this? Or do you believe you can start it day one if you don't have the team in place? No, I, I run it on myself. Right. It can work for one person. Yeah. It's that rigor again, right? Yeah. It's, it's where I'm going. It's yeah. how I'm doing it. It's have solving issues. So yeah. I, I do it with one. I've got a couple of clients that have just got two people. Yeah. And and again, they wear multiple hats. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, you might have a visionary, you might have a finance, you might have sales and ops, yeah. and that's one person. But, you know, the vision is that they want to grow that and, yeah. and, and scale it. So, yeah, it, it, it can work for, for multiple. It, the key thing is, it's just a simple thing. You've got to get clear accountability yes, in a business. Absolutely. The, I'm, I'm gonna, and I'm, I'm going to close on this bit because I probably should explain that that's why I love the accountability chart, which is, you know, it's absolutely natural that when you start a business up, you're wearing many hats. But go back to your point about work. So if you're wearing many hats... 
but what would the you know if you're going to put the FD's hat on, if you put the sales and marketing, if you're going to put the office cleaners hat on today, what's the accountability whilst you're doing that? Yes. If you if you spin too many plates and wear too many hats, in my experience, the accountability gets diluted, yep. and that's what I love about the accountability chart. Yep. I can be the owner of this business, yep. but it's not on a Monday. I'm this on yeah, a Tuesday. I'm that. It can, it can be that as well, really. But, but what it also helps yeah. us to do is be able to delegate because yes. if we're clear that somebody is accountable for that yeah. and going to do it, yeah. you can dele- uh, yeah. delegate yeah. much easier to yeah. those people. Fascinating. Listen, we've run over, which we always do because we get into these conversations and they work and they matter and they, and they matter for. Um, anybody who's owned a business is wants to own a business. Um, so obviously, I um, want to say thank you for Adrian to come in to come in here today. It's a fantastic start to this series. Adrian, if anyone out there has resonated with this and wants to either understand it more, understand more about you, understand more about AOS, how does how do we find you? LinkedIn is quick and easy. Um, Adrian Lomas, um, yeah. EOS website, uh, Adrian. Dash Lomas, uh, you'll find me. And if you want information, it's free of charge. I'll send you. Yeah. I'll send you a book. If you want a book, yeah. I'll send it you. You know, I was gifted a book. I'll send you a book if you want it. Brilliant. So just contact me, and I'll help anybody. Fantastic. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for everybody who's uh, either joined us again after series one into series two. Again, at the start of the show, if you're new to the to the map room, then uh, we uh, are excited for you to to be here. Uh, so thank you. Until next time, I'm Stuart, and thank you from myself and Adrian. Goodbye. Thank you. Season two of the Map Room has been brought to you by Map, the outsourced finance function for digital agencies. Subscribe via your usual podcast app to never miss an episode.